Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it may be, wherever you're at. Coming to you live from a galaxy somewhere nearby. Uh, Tim and Brad, two guys talking Star Wars. It's Labor Day, September 1st, 2008. Hello, everybody. Uh, As we've said before, we love our Star Wars. We love our Star Wars, but we, uh, we recognize other people know more of the facts, so we are... Uh, not coming to you as the Encyclopedia Star Wars, just some guys who love to talk about it. So with that in mind, we welcome any feedback that you might have. And uh, Tim, I'm going to ask you, uh, so what did you do this weekend? Well, this weekend we got together as a group, Star Wars Runners in Training specifically. Uh, it's a Nike, uh, Nike Plus training group. And uh, we actually went out and ran the human race. This was yesterday, the 10K. Brett, I, if I don't you know, miss my guess, you were with us. Oh, yeah. So I knew the answer to when my question. When I say question. with us, I mean, I mean very far behind me. Oh, but you were with us, cold. at least in spirit. It, cold as it may be, I mean, you know, sometimes the truth hurts, but that's, that's okay. Right. And so do my legs today, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> So, uh, so how would anybody listening to this, how would they have recognized us, Tim? Uh, we all had matching shirts. And I should say the Star Wars Runners in Training was inspired by my youngest son. He actually set up the training group yes. on Nike. And we've had some real random anonymous, anonymous folks find us, show up, and, and share their love of Star Wars and their share of running from wherever they're at in the world. Anyway, it was a fun event. Mainly their sh- uh, love of running, although we did export one of our T-shirts that we made. That's um, right. That's one right. Of them, but... Seven T-shirts out there with Star Wars Runners in Training logo on the back and uh, I, I think that out of the whole group uh, you know we had some pretty impressive times or at least one yeah at least one if you may say so yourself but uh, <laughs> what I would say it was a lot of fun being out uh, spread out by the end of the 10k so just over six miles by the end of the time we were spread out over what say a mile a mile and a half uh, I don't know it was fun to run and some of our route back doubled back on itself so we we're able to see everybody represent with their T-shirts uh, going up one side of the street as somebody else was coming down the other, so Orlando's definitely too hot and muggy to to run that. And and this is you know you and I have gone back and forth about the heat and our ability to tolerate it because we grew up in Orlando, both of us. Yeah, but I'm telling you right now, dude, when you nah, I'm not gonna. Go but there. part of the part of uh, the joy in doing it, what helped us overcome the heat was the fact knowing that there were people all around the world because this was uh, billed as being the first global. Uh, road race so there were people in Istanbul Turkey running there were people in Paris France Sao Paulo there were people all around the world New Zealand had completed by the time we started running and then there were cities running after us so uh, a lot of fun a lot of fun knowing that there were people all around the world running but uh, how about topics du jour topics du jour Uh, well you are the topic master today so I'm going to defer to you on that well um, so anyway really what we've talked about to date, are ruminations that we've that we've had individually. One of those that I've had is, and I, I do have an ultimate place I'm going with this because something that endears Star Wars to me has to do with uh, how military tactics are employed, and I think of those military tactics in relation to the technological and uh, overall advancement of the cultures in Star Wars. And what I mean is. You know, you have these these abilities. Heck, obviously, the most obvious thing is uh, the first Death Star destroying a whole planet, right? But you've got these technological abilities. Think of what the biological and the chemical capabilities of 
especially the Empire, but these these cultures are, and yet you never really see them employed, these great massive uh, destructive forces, or you never see, and, and I'm, I'm stating it from my perception, so obviously I'm probably going to hear some kickback here in a moment, but you never really see full-fledged guerrilla warfare, that is, I don't see the rebels, for example, who would be a natural for this, I don't see the rebels uh, drawing the Empire's forces to terrain or locations or sites that are really uncomfortable for the Empire to fight in. I don't see that. It seems like you've got these these honor-bound, full-frontal, head-on attacks uh, made. Examples, uh, just most recently in the Clone Wars, the uh, animated version, you see uh, what appears to be uh, just a single front war going on. Now, I'm sure that there's there's more going on, but uh, how about on Naboo uh, in Phantom Menace? You see the, the Gungans versus the droids. The Gungans are standing there waiting for the, for the uh, droids to show up, in essence. And it's a, a head-on attack. So what I'm getting at is... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. The Gungans standing there was a diversionary tactic, so that you know, uh, belies your argument that there's not traditional warfare going on behind the scenes. I, the attack in the city, the subterfuge going on there is an example to the contrary of your statement mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that there, you know, you have two military mm-hmm. fronts just approaching each other. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that that was uh, for a different purpose. The diversionary tactic was also to, uh, was to get... Uh, the uh, fighters into their planes to get them up to take out the uh, communication center. The, but none of that was going to happen if you didn't have this battle force waiting on the field to battle for the the. But even in both of those instances, and maybe you know, ultimately, that you may have just ended, uh, you may have just ended my uh, argument because I, I do see your point. But in both of those cases, so for example, what was going on in Theed and then what was going on on, on the plains of Naboo, both cases it was uh, there was one side, one clear, definable, discernible side for the attack for both forces. Same thing in Theed. You had the good guys coming in through the, um, the halls of the palace and you saw the main uh, throne room being defended. So there was... A, you know, a single point of attack. There wasn't a, a great nuclear blast. There wasn't a, you know, an irradiation, a, a releasing of spores of anything. Yeah. Okay. Conventional uh, one-on-one or or battalion on battalion type yes. warfare. Okay. I take your point, and I think that a lot of that comes out of the necessity for Star Wars to be viewed how it really was written, yes. which is an allegory. And, and in that kind of an allegory, whether it's a, a Greek tragedy talking about the, the history of, of two great forces coming uh, to meet on a battle plane and one race being decimated, yes. you know, or whether it's Star Wars in the future, good versus evil, it's all allegorical, and you're not going to get the nitty-gritty, dirty, uh, Harlequin romance novel-style uh, guerrilla warfare that you might be more right, likely right. to see, or the, I should probably say, more like Robert Wolf or Robert Ludlum. Uh, type right, writing, you're not going right. to see that. You're not going to see that in Star Wars because it is such a broad allegory. I think that's what Lucas... I, I, ag- I agree with you, and I, I love that you went there because, yes, I think that's true, and because from that I can jump off to the fact that I, it doesn't detract for me. The fact that there's a whole angle to this, in, uh, 
ultimately the way I view it, and I'm curious as to whether you see this in what you've just said, is there's an orderliness. Now, it, whether it has to do with the uh, constraints of storytelling or intention on the part of the storyteller, um, the the fact is, it ultimately, I view it as being very orderly. The attack on the Wookiee planet, etc., etc. Everything seems to be um, very orderly, and it's almost honorable, even from the dark side. So, or the, the those that we would view as evil. So, um, it's almost like uh, that. There's a chaotic. The, the chaotic factors have been ruled out in the storytelling, regardless of what the um, what the cause is. To me, that really appeals. That's okay. part of the reason why I love Star Wars. So in the Star Wars universe, there's almost a sense of... Uh, we have laws of physics that we all have to abide by in the universe yes. that we live in. in. In the universe of Star Wars, there's almost like a law of physics for behavior yes. between good and evil. And people can be... Can, can tend towards one or the other, but you truly don't have what you get with human nature. Like a human who could truly act evil one time, completely evil, and be evil, and maybe even be good the next day, and folks can work behind the scenes. I, I don't know, but, you know, I'd, I'd say that, but then, but then in the spirit of the of the whole allegory, you can have somebody who falls from grace and then comes back to grace again, a la Anakin Skywalker. It's not so meaningful that somebody who diverts from honor uh, in order to apply some sort of uh, nefarious tactic, that it that it changes the laws of what you're calling these laws of physics or these laws of behavior. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Lucas has definitely written his allegory with that kind of a uh, feel in mind. I, I don't I don't think it's unfair to say that uh, that the Star Wars universe that is uh, there are, there are rules governing behavior. So. Um, Let's. I, I think we can agree, based on what we've talked about, that there does seem to be a disparity between the abilities technologically to win wars through uh, more conventional, what we would see as conventional methods nowadays, and uh, between Lucas's willingness to, to employ those methods in his storytelling. So I think we have to remember Star Wars is ultimately a story and allegory, and that that will help to answer your question of why can't people just go ahead and nuke the palace at feed and, and get rid of the invaders. Okay, next topic. Well, uh, you know, we're talking about orderliness. We're talking about honor here. Nothing could be further from the truth, that, at least in terms of the honor, than the huts, the hut system. And uh, there are not a lot of beings in the Star Wars universe that I find less interesting on the face of it than the huts. However, what I do find interesting, Tim, is how in the heck did the huts come about their power? And how about their influence? You know, how do they come about their influence? They're not charismatic, you know, unless I'm missing something in the universe. They're not charismatic. They don't have physical prowess, uh, you know, unless bulk and girth accounts for everything. So where do they get their – they must be mentally very powerful. Well, first of all, with your description of the huts, I can't help but think Dick Cheney. Um, so – Oh, that's, that's bad. <laughs> I gotta go there, bad. man. Part of this, okay, part of this whole back experience, away from that. part of this whole experience is drawing parallels with the life that we live and, and connecting Star Wars to everything around us. And I think that you know, you, the, there are examples of huts all around us every single day. You, you got 
the Dick Cheney's. You've got the uh, Rush Limbaugh's. I mean, my gosh, why do people listen to him? But for some bizarre reason, there are people uh, attracted to what he represents and what he what he stands for. I don't know what it is they stand for in the Star Wars universe. I, I'm, here's where my ignorance comes in. Well, I haven't read the novels. Even, even if we were to take the, the politics out of this and say that your thought that we have examples of Hut-like uh, – um, beings around us and, everywhere. Yeah, we're going to be that, hit with a libel suit on that one. Right. But that's, but, I mean... But, um, so taking that point, yes, we do have a lot of hut-like creatures or, or uh, entities around us. However, I would say, no, we don't. Because the huts... Do you see the huts uh, metaphorically getting into Harvard? Do you see the huts get, you know, uh, running in the circles of power? I don't see them I even doing that. I didn't see George Bush getting into Yale, and I know we don't want to go politics. Yeah, we don't want to go politics. Dude, what I'm dude, saying if is, we can't have a conversation... No, like, I know, like I know, right I know, now, that's fine. what's the point? No, that's that's plenty fine. I guess, I guess I'm only being selfish about wanting to stay to the huts themselves, okay. only because I'm seeing, even from the analogies that you're drawing, I'm seeing a disconnect. Because, again, I don't see the huts walking through the um, corridors of Texas Stadium uh, while owning the Texas Rangers, glad-handing people as they walk, you know, as they go to get their, their you know, dollar hot dog or five dollar hot dogs. In other words, the huts, to me, are so charismatically, physically, uh, intentionally, uh, Disconnected from the other entities in Star Wars, even the bounty hunters, even the the, the boorish knaves of the universe, don't I don't see a connection between them and the, the the huts. So where do the huts plug in to derive their power? The only thing that I can think is that they are so intelligent, or so mentally capable, or so uh, compelling in their coercion that somehow they have long ago started to attract the money and with the money um comes the power i think uh that ultimately i think you hit the nail on the head that somewhere in history they found they had the acumen they had the wherewithal to sell whatever it was on their home planet that they needed to accrue wealth to themselves or they they happened to be living on a planet that that uh owned whatever it is the rest of the galaxy wanted be it uh be it uh you know fuel for the star cruisers or whatever they somehow i mean whether you like it or not, I think I think the huts are, are just like every other bizarre alien species we see in Star Wars. Whether or not we find them charismatically attractive or not, and we see that Princess Leia is repulsed when Jabba the Hutt's tongue hangs out of the mouth, and we know that not right. all the, not all the, <laughs> not all of the huts are are as gross as every other hut. But to you and me, they're physically right. repulsive because they've been drawn that way. And they, I even read an article where the huts were used. Um, to represent in the Star Wars universe uh, sloth, gluttony, greed, etc. Right, because right. they are the embodiment thereof. So even though we look at them that way and we understand and that's how George has drawn them for us, ultimately we don't live in that universe. And we're not used well, to walking why. into a bar every day and seeing all these different right. types of, of species. So I think that there may be a lot more tolerance. The, but that's why I also drew the parallel or at least tried to put myself in the position of the other uh, aliens in the Star Wars universe right. that these other aliens in the cantina or wherever else you might end up seeing a hut that these other aliens that there, it seems like there's a disconnect even there. Granted, so many of the aliens we see are humanoidal and that right there uh, creates a, a chasm between hutdom or the huts and um, what I relate to but you know what about that point you've made previously about that the huts in their own thinking by lore by um historical uh understanding have 
you know, grown to view themselves in a in greater than the self. Yeah, yeah. Image. I mean, there's a whole history uh, behind the huts that uh, shows that um, the huts survived the death of their binary sons or whatever it was, and that they had viewed their sons as if they were gods, and because of that. They viewed themselves as having survived their gods. By extension, they themselves were gods or greater than right. gods. So, yeah, there's a certain amount of so maybe a there's amount of- maybe there's influence that comes right. from that. It's kind of like you know uh, people being attracted to other confident people. Okay, right? yeah, but it's the same thing. But they are not Tony Robbins by any stretch of the imagination, nope. even in the Star Wars universe. But they, but I, one thing I will uh, uh, grant the Huts is that. They are very compelling in their, even though that contradicts my statements about them not being charismatic, they are very compelling in their assertiveness. So, you know, this is, is, uh, like many of the subjects, this is one we could beat uh, to a pulp to unrecognizability, but uh, it still remains a bit of a mystery to me as to why they they are so successful as they are. you know, I'm sure that's that. Some of that goes back to the storytelling. You know, it is what it is because of the story. Mm. So, any any thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I just I okay. Uh, look, I, I wonder what huts taste I'm like. I'm gonna beat this this <laughs> I'm going to beat this side even though it's dead uh, yeah, because you, you're trying to move me off topic. But here's <laughs> I, – dude, I think you're guilty uh, of discrimination against the Hutt just because we don't live in the universe. You look at it through such an incredibly uh, human point of view and so do I. I'm as guilty of it as you are. But I have to, to remove myself and put myself in the Star Wars universe. And, and if I went into the most isolated cantina and I saw a Hutt walk in and I lived in that universe – Walk in. Okay. Uh, uh, slither in – would I be would I be freaked out and repulsed, or would I just think, okay, I got to make a little more room at the bar for this one because he's going to take up three bar stools uh, instead of one? Uh, it goes beyond that. We're talking the difference between um, attraction and wielding wheel wielding wielding wheel power, wielding real power, uh, wielding real power in the universe, and being able to say, as in this most recent movie. Um, dictate how shipping lanes are used. I'm going back to Dick Cheney on this. I'm going back to Dick Cheney on this. I'm sorry. I I know that politics should be out of this, but uh, I think that that real-world parallels. I think there are some people who are less than uh, attractive in their own rights just because of of what they represent, and I think that that Lucas has characterized these traits that are sometimes seen in human in the huts. And just exaggerated grossly through physical manifestation. Well, Some of the things that we find repulsive, but I think that at the end of the day, the huts represent just through their physical embodiment the things that you and I view as right. As and I and I threw out there at the beginning that maybe this and and I'm not I'm not uh, I never uh, said that this is a trap door that can't be climbed out of. In other words, this question trying to find the reason why the huts have the power. I'm trying to find the source of it, and I think you're speaking to it. I'm there, not looking there are people, for a source. That, there, I'm, I'm comfortable there are people, with the huts being people, what they are. There are people that you would find uh, repulsive personally, but I would argue that Dick Cheney, that George W., um, that these are people who are at least able to put together ideas and able to speak them, um, and as much as we mock 
our leaders. But see, I um, think the Huts. Same, same thing with thing. the Huts. Yeah, I, that's I, what I'm I saying. I bet you, if we do the research, I bet you that they're educated. You know, I bet you that they've got everything going on for them that we would expect from uh, from real world successes. Right, and so thus, am I bringing up this topic in the first place? We never quite see that in the movies. Right, and that's what I'm pondering here. And I think I think we're both we've arrived at the same conclusion: is that we don't see it physically. We don't see it charismatically. It must lie in their powers of intellect, in their powers of um, coercion, persuasion, uh, and whatnot. So, and certainly now that they do have the power and the money, uh, it's probably a lot easier to hold on to it once you have it. Absolutely, so. power begets power. All right. Um, well, on to um, maintaining our victims. Okay, uh, so that means, I think in Brad speak, that we're going to be wrapping things up here, folks. Uh, Do us a favor and check us out next time where we'll probably go into more real-world examples of Star Wars against Brad's uh, uh, preferences. Uh, So until next time, this is Tim and Brad saying, May may the Force be with you. you.